Wait, we're recording, but we don't have Hunter. We need Hunter. We need him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Scott version. to know about negotiating baby yeah 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 pick it up 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 oh that scotch money show Jump into this. One, two, three, four. Ska version. <laughs> Welcome to the Scotch Money, Scotch Money Show. With your friends Dimitri and Brian and Hunter talking about the things you wanna know. And I bet you wanted to know about networking. Oh yeah. <laughs> gonna tell you about it on the Scotch Money Show. Yo, oh, 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 oh. Pick it up, pick it up, pick it up. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. On the Scotch Money Show. Are, are we spelling scotch now with an S-K-A? Scotch. Hey, <laughs> the scotch money. <laughs> Boston. Well, hello, everybody. What's going okay. On? Hold on. Let me just situate myself. I'm going to situate. We're not talking about networking. That was a blooper. We're talking about negotiations. Welcome to the Scotch Money Show, where we drink scotch. And talk about money and drink scotch and invest in scotch and money. Cheers. Cheers. Well. <sighs> Let's talk about the whiskey for today. I haven't been drinking scotch. This one is a Star Ward. And pop. it's an Australian whiskey that's been aged in um, red wine barrels. So I gave this a try a week ago and I forgot what it tastes like. So I'm going <laughs> to give it another try. <laughs> you tell us. You tell us. Hmm. Tell us it's what you more, think. It's a bit more red wine forward than in scotch. It's like, it's as if you got red wine and then dribbled some scotch into it some whiskey into it oh nice. i'm not hearing you hunter oh yeah hunter we can't hear you i was hoping it was kind of like you dropped a couple of drops of wine and a scotch <laughs> it, it, it almost feels it, 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 it looks like it looks like that because of its color yeah but it tastes like the other way around 
It's like if scotch and red wine had a baby. Squine. Or would it be watch? <laughs> okay. All right. Watch so, is sick. <laughs> watch. Watch is sick. Squine. squine. <laughs> right, well, enjoy the squine. I'll the enjoy squine. the squine. <laughs> I hope you guys like my big, uh, it's a Christmas cup. It's Christmas in June. Christmas in June. <laughs> Christmas in June. Christmas only comes 10 times a year. Um, okay. So I'm sure everybody who's watching visually, and even those who aren't watching visually but watching auditorily, are hearing that I'm wearing a much fancier outfit than I normally wear. With your ears. You're seeing me with your ears. Also, I'm sporting a, uh, an unshaven look which I promise you is on purpose. <laughs> In any case, no, the reason for it is not this, but I'm gonna say this right now. It's because we're talking about negotiations and negotiations are important. And it's a very serious non-joking matter. So we are going to be talking about the different ways that we negotiate I have a lot of, uh, there's, there's a lot that comes to mind for me personally when I think about negotiations because I've done a lot of them and I've messed up a lot of them, especially early on. Um, like when I was younger and I didn't know what the heck I was doing. But I do remember, uh, just to kind of start this off, I remember when I was maybe... 19 or 20 years old i watched there was this course and this was like in the beginning of 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 the internet's like putting out all that free course material uh which now is super prevalent and there was this professor from michigan uh i think he, he was like an mit professor actually and he did a course on negotiations and i thought it was like the coolest thing and I thought that I was about to learn like everything that there is to know about negotiations. And it turns out that his negotiating style and mine are totally different, but I had no idea back then. So it, I, I, I hope that this, it, what we're not rehearsed, of course. Um, the things that we talk about here, the three of us have completely different personalities. And so our negotiating styles are inherently different. Uh, so let's start it off. Um, Hunter, do you want to talk about your thoughts on negotiation? Maybe a little bit of your own style and let's kick this thing off. Kick it up a notch. Bam. Lawsuit. Also, we can't hear you. Well, when I, um, when I, when I go into a negotiation, typically I look at it from a standpoint of, you know, there's a price I wanted at or whatever, you know, the stipulations, caveat, whatever. There's things I want and there's things they want. And my goal is to end up closer to what I want than what they want. And any negotiation I come out of where I'm closer to what I wanted than what they wanted, I, I consider a successful negotiation. So I try to do a little backwards math if it's a numbers game and it's all about evaluation of a property or something, you know, I, I do a numbers game. I look at, well, if I come in at this number, which is what I would like to pay is you know closer let's say here's the price 
here's what I would like to pay. I'm going to start negotiating down here <laughs> so that where I would like to finish is about the middle, but I'm going to do it in a way where I'm slightly off centered. So for instance, if somebody wants, you know, like 200, I'm not going to start at like a hundred. That's insulting. But if I want it for 165, uh, I'll start at like 145 because that's going to make him come down to like, well, I'll do 185 and then I'll just come up not as much as him. I'll come up to 150 or 155 at that point so that then it's on them to come down again. And now they're coming down to like, well, if you're going to go 10, I'll do 10. Now that you're at 175, well, then I bump up to 160 and only go five now. And they're like, well, shit, now I'll, I'll only go five. Great, you're at my 165. Thanks for doing business. So I basically reverse math the psychology of it to get where I want to go. And I have not had a negotiation yet where I haven't ended up closer to my side than the middle from the starting price, you know? All right. I do similar things as well. Uh, there are other tactics that I, I try to incorporate besides just the pricing. Yeah. It, oh, it yeah. feels a bit single dimensional when it's just um, on price. Um, yeah. But everybody always on, cares about price. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's also the easiest thing to negotiate around. Um, and it's the easiest place to get stuck because when you are focusing on price, then for you to win, somebody has to lose. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, like, um, the way I think about negotiating is, um, well, first I would um, focus on what they believe, what their emotions are, what makes them um, emotional. I'm, I'm, I'm a very, I like being incremental in life. Um, so I like being very incremental in negotiations. Um, so I take things slow, very unlike Dimitri, who's like, bam, I've got this. And, and I'm like, Let, let's do it this much first. And then when they agree to that much, it's like, oh, okay, let's, Let's, let's just expand the conversation a bit more. So it's an ongoing conversation with me for um, negotiating. Um, if we're to go on the, um, like we were talking about products a while ago, so let's just um, you know, talk about pricing and products um, again. And um, so there was a, um, we were negotiating with restoration hardware because we have this um, uh, Churchill um, leather chair with, um, you know, studs. Dimitri knows the chair. He was sitting. Oh there. yeah. Um, but he also the saw one that, that it was, yeah, the one that ripped. It 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 ripped one day. Um, but one of the things we noticed was that there was like a piece of leather hanging from underneath, and we weren't sure what was the case. So we reached out to Restoration Hardware. Um, you know, our specific goal, and and that's another thing. What's what's your goal? What what do you want out of the negotiation? Um, our specific goal was either to find a way to repair it or find a way to um, replace it, um, a discount on a new um, chair or whatnot. Um, but what we found, well, we asked about it and they gave us a bunch of um, ideas for repair, none of which would have worked for us because of the size of the rip. Um, and um, they were adamant that they can't replace this chair because they're no longer making this. Um, you know, it's not in their product line anymore. But um, one of the things that um, they had mentioned during the time, uh, one of the things that they completely ignored was my question about the, about the, the tag underneath. Why does it look as if um, you know, this, this tear had been 
you know, they're repaired before. Like as if it was a smaller tear that became bigger. Like, you know, why is there a piece of leather underneath that looks as if it was a repair piece? Um, and since they kept repairing that question, I was like, I, we had to call them on, you know, I had to call them on their bad behavior. It's like, hey, we asked this question and we want to be honored by, you know, you answering this question. There's nothing, um, you know, there's where where loyal customers um you know we we have a history you've done a lot of uh, good things for us and we have an expectation on the quality of your work you know we have a lot of your stuff we have a lot of your touches and a lot of your chandeliers so many chandeliers. we have a lot of your chandeliers <laughs> um so uh, it's um it we expect that um you know like a level of service um and for you to ignore you know a simple question it doesn't doesn't seem to become what you know what, what you are um, and what what, are, what expectations are from you, and we weren't expecting much from this. We just wanted um, them to answer that question. But um, what I found was that when you call bad behavior um, and when you call them on you know things that don't really ring true to um, what their own perceived character of themselves are, you know even even as a uh, company, yeah, they have a lot of people, but they have their own perceived character you know they, they they're all about quality they're all about service um uh, so i threw that out there and their response was okay we're going to replace your chair we're going to make a new one from scratch of the same type of the same type and we're going to pick yours up and replace it for free and i was like whoa that's cool yeah that's i mean are they a sponsor of ours apparently there's hand and chairs out um yeah and it's like a a two thousand dollar chair holy it's not a it's not a small deal for them to make one from scratch which would have cost more um to replace the ripped one that we have well i mean that's that's really nice of them to do that that's That's good customer service um you know it's kudos to them but you know um we wouldn't have gotten to that point if we didn't um one continue the conversation you know, from small, a small question to, you know, incrementally larger, um, you know, ideas for a potential solution, um, mm-hmm. keeping the goal in mind um, and just calling them on one piece of bad behavior. Because the moment that somebody misbehaves is your win in negotiation. Like if they, if they act um, in such a way that's not true to their character or their beliefs and you bring it up, um, they'd be like, oh, oh yeah, huh. Um, yeah. Well, let's see how we could get back to, you know, um, you know, how, how we perceive ourselves. I think that's interesting because so uh, before I talk about my, my crazy style, like Gangnam style of, of negotiating, um, <laughs> oh, oh, Gangnam style. Um, oh, don't make that into a meme. <laughs> Just, <laughs> Oh, no, but um, I, I'm of the belief that, look, there are different people with whom you can negotiate in different ways, right? So some people care about their reputation. And so when you, when you hit their reputation by saying, look, you did something that's against your perceived character, like what you're saying, yeah, the first thing they're going to do is say, well, no, that's not true. Let me fix it to show you. And that's the right thing to do. Yeah. And that, that, that speaks very highly of the company. Yep. Uh, there are some people that they just don't give a crap. 
What they care about is the bottom line, which leads back to, to price on what Hunter was saying. Um, there are a lot of different ways to leverage. The, the first and most important, uh, I'll, I'll give my two cents on negotiation, and there's so much, um, and I keep learning. I personally learn uh, negotiations is one of the most important topics that you could even uh, imagine because you make money on the buy. Everybody knows that, or everyone should know that. You don't make money selling something. You make money buying something because then you're going to sell it for more, right? That's the goal when you're talking about investing. Yeah, if you buy too high, you've already lost. Exactly. If you buy too high, you've already lost no matter what, or you'll have to wait too long. Mm-hmm. There, there are different... There are different terms that people care about. And I think uh, terms uh, and price is something, if you go and watch some negotiations course or whatever, like what I did when I was 19 or 20 or whatever, um, they're going to talk about terms. They're going to talk about price. And if you're, if you're not giving on price, then you're taking on terms, right? You know, like you're, you're, you're giving on one, you're taking on another. And you're trying to find a happy balance between the two. So I'll give an example of that uh, without naming a little, without naming too much. Um, So I negotiated on a property. Uh, I negotiated it down by several million, by about 2 million. Uh, So the total price ended up being, uh, well, roughly five. It was about seven. It got down to roughly five. And the way that I did that was the guy really wanted to, um, he wanted a quicker close. So he wanted speed and stability. And although there were offers much higher than mine, because of the reputation of our company, because we had recently purchased property in that area to show that we're stable. And then on top of that, because of just, my understanding of what he needed because I through a conversation and asking questions, I quickly determined that he himself has investors. I determined that although I don't know exactly how much um, he's paying monthly on a loan, I know that he has a loan and I know that he's bleeding monthly. So I understand that time is important to him. Price not so much because he already is going to make a profit at significantly lower than even where we ended up. So it turns to be a, a matter of, okay, if I can show you that we're stable and that we're going to do this, and there's no question in your mind, then I'm going to be able to save myself several million dollars, which means that I'm buying right, which means that I can sell later and make more of a spread. That's the way it works. But it also... One of, one of the things that I don't hear a lot of people talk about is, so I have a friend and he never does anything himself. As in, when, you, when he walks into a room, he's not going to be coming into your face and starting to negotiate with you and do all that aggressive stuff. But he's a fantastic negotiator and he makes a lot of money on the buy side. And the way that he does it is he uses, he uses proxies. So he knows in his mind what needs to get done. He strategizes like a general. And then he gets lieutenants to go out and do the things. So in this example that I'm talking about, I actually did a similar strategy where I had one of our attorneys go out 
and contact this seller, communicate with them. Then there was a tour of the property, which you guys know about. I think you guys, you guys know what property I'm talking about. Don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. Um, then it's a, before I even spoke to the, before we were talking about the business of it, there was already vestment, right? We had, we had vested our time. Then we had, I mean, it wasn't the only thing they were doing there, but um, we showed commitment. We showed ability to perform. We, as a company, have stability. And so the guy felt very safe talking to me and we negotiated it down by like 2 million. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, when in all reality, the price, the initial price would have worked very well either way for us, for the need. So um, negotiation is about finesse and it's about understanding the, the specific circumstance, right? Yeah. Because um, in that specific case, you were essentially trading things that were important to you versus things that are important to him. Um, you know, in, in this case, it was the intangibles of speed and stability versus um, the actual price. Um, so it wasn't uh, a one-dimensional negotiation where one had to lose and the other had to win. Um, it, it, it's, not, it's not as if it's win-win, but you, know, you found ways to negotiate things that were unequal to the both of you. you I mean, we don't care if we, um, uh, you know, we have, speed isn't so important to us. We, we, can, we can do speed. Um, yeah. But, um, you know, like price would be great. Um, exactly. And it, it, it's the opposite for him. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, people like to call it win-win and it kind of is, but it's not win-win on the same dimension. Yeah. It's different dimensional. It's interdimension, intergalactic, planetary, planetary, intergalactic. Yeah. Ideally when you have two different sets of values like that, you're basically trying to play what you value less, what they value more. So I, I mean, ideally in a negotiation, if you can identify something that's of high value to someone that's of low value to you, that's, that's a good power move. You know, like you can offer up these things that to you don't really mean anything, but to them is a big deal. Then you're definitely going to come out on the winning side of the negotiation. But so and I a hundred percent agree with that sentiment. My question is, and I guess maybe it's not even so much of a question. It's more of just a, a thought. In my experience, any time that the values are the same, as in when you, when you care about price and you don't care about terms, and they care about price and they don't care about terms, for example, or, or vice versa, no one cares about price, but it's all about the terms, um, that's when deals don't get done. Because or they get done, but then people are unhappy. Yeah, both or both sides are unhappy. Ever both sides leave feeling like, you know what, you know, I overpaid or you know, I I, I didn't get what I wanted. And then the other side's like, well, I, I didn't get enough. And and it, everybody is unhappy in those types of circumstances. And I feel like those types of circumstances stem from people get very caught up in what they're doing. And although sometimes, look, you got to do what you got to do. And sometimes those situations that are unavoidable, c'est la vie, is what the French say. But um, a lot of times, 
I, I'm, I'm a firm believer of this. If a deal's not working, it's not working. Yeah, just don't, don't try do the to, deal. yeah, just don't do the deal. Like who, nobody's forcing you to do it, but people get very caught up in doing deals like that because they feel like, well, I've already invested so much time and I should be doing this. And it's the deal that I, I said to myself, I would do. Sometimes you got to step back and say, why am I doing this? Yeah. It's important to know the, what your goals are. <laughs> you should, you know, um, you know, coming into it, what, what are your values? What are your standards? Mm -hmm. What won't you breach? Um, and I, I think it's a very introspective process. It depends per person and per negotiator. Yeah. And if you're not very clear with that, then, you know, somebody's, you or both parties are just going to be unhappy. Um, especially if you're trading, you know, equal, um, you know, equally valued, you know, items on the same dimension. It's important to go into anything. And, and, and it's funny because I feel like every Scotch Money episode, we at some point talk about this where we're saying it's important for us to, you got to go into everything with a plan. Like you don't start a negotiation willy nilly, guns a blazing. You don't do it. You, yeah. you, you go into negotiation understanding, here's my low, here's my high, here's the terms that I need, and here's what I can give on. Yeah. And then, there, yeah. Yeah, because then you'd have the bandwidth, right? Um, if you mm -hmm. have, here's my goals, here's what my boundaries are, then it gives you the ability to think about the other person and to listen to the other person and understand their values. And then you can get creative about what else you can negotiate on that isn't, you know, that isn't on the playing field. Exactly. Like terms or speed or stability or reputation. And a lot of people go into negotiations not thinking about their own terms or their own stuff. Like a lot of people go into it with an idea of, I generally want to, if I'm selling a piece of real estate, they think I generally want X amount of money, but they don't really think about the terms, but they know in their mind, in their head subconsciously or in the deep recesses of the mind, they know the terms that they, that they must achieve. Because what if I said to you, like, Hunter, it doesn't matter what the value of your house is. What if I said to you, I'm going to give you $10 million for your house. Sounds good, right? I'm going to give that to you over the next thousand years. <laughs> Still sound good? Or better yet, I'm going to give it to you in a thousand years. <laughs> My descendants will give it to your descendants. Full lump sum payment millennium from now. Yeah. If you have descendants that exist at that time, then you will, then they will get $10 million in a thousand years. It's, it's crap. I mean, it, it, it's not. Exactly. If the world still exists and you have descendants and this and this and that, they, I mean, obviously I'm speaking in hyperbole, but it, you understand, everybody understands the point that I'm making. The terms are actually extremely important and, and okay. You don't have to even look at it in, in a thousand years. You know, if we're talking closer on price to what you actually want uh, or to what I actually want, but, now we're talking about difference in, in six months. Well, six months is a long time or one year is a long time. What if I say, Hunter, you know, I love your, I love your land, your house. I don't really need, 
because I intend to, as you know, get a high density multifamily put onto there. And you're like, that's cool, whatever. I just want to sell my property. And I say, well, in order for me to buy it and feel comfortable myself, I need to have this period of time of X amount of months to be able to get entitlements, permits. I need to go and talk to the city, the county, make sure everything's fine. Because if I buy your property and I can't get that high density that I want, well, you've made your money, but now I'm screwed, right? And you're going to say, of course, I understand that. And so now we're talking terms. The price is important. And we're, if we can get to the right terms, then, okay, all we have to negotiate now is price, right? But what if my terms are, well, I need a year. And you say, well, I can't wait a year. That's a long time. Or I don't want to wait a year. Or if I do wait a year, then I want you to pay me more. And I want you to have a hard deposit uh, within 30 days or something, you know, like, there's so many things. And then I'll say, no, screw you. I'm not going to do it in 30 days. I'll do it in 90 days after engineering comes in. And then you're like, no, 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 no. It doesn't take 90 days to do engineering. And then I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're going to do a phase two because you had a chemical spill. Like, you know, there's, we're, we're, we're now talking about, and then you can put contingencies in where you say, okay, we'll release X amount of money to escrow after 90 days, but we have a contingency that it won't be released to you until permitting goes through. And so, you know, you release the term contingencies throughout a period of time. And that's what a good lawyer will help with. But you as the general have to lead that lieutenant to do the right job. And it requires strategic thinking. And negotiation is all about that. It's about the plan. Yep. And movement on terms can be a great substitute for movement on price. Absolutely. I use that a lot, you know, in the negotiation. It's like, okay, here's my turn to come up. I don't want to come up, but how about I'll offer to let him have this thing he wanted uh, mm -hmm. instead of coming up. And then he'll end up coming down as a result because he gets that thing he wants. And for me to come up again, I'm going to come up this time, but I'm going to take that thing away again. <laughs> you know, so it's like it becomes this this extra added kind of bonus uh, tool when there's terms outside of just price. I, I like as many of those as possible because it allows me the most flexibility and maneuverability within the negotiation. Yeah. And sometimes terms are unbendable. So, I mean, you're, every every negotiation, let's say this hand represents price, this hand represents terms. You have your sliding scale, and at some point on price, you're going to hit their bottom. I can't go lower than this because I'll be you know, losing money, or I won't be making the money I need. But terms also has that sliding scale. There was a, a particular negotiation that was a rough one. Uh, and it, it wasn't a negotiation of choice. It was a negotiation of necessity, which is also different. Uh, sometimes you negotiate because you want something. Sometimes you negotiate because you need something, which those are two different positions. You always want the other side to think that you want something, but you might need that. And the power position, the power dynamic between you and the other side is extremely important. Um, b before I talk about this, well, here, I'll, I'll, I'll say a piece of the example. Uh, so the, there was a price being negotiated 
for a, a, a particular buyout of a, of a, of there, there, there was a, a civil dispute buyout that I was negotiating for a group for. And uh, although I was the decision maker at the end, it wasn't just me making, I wasn't the only one negotiating. There's about 25 people and several lawyers and myself and the other side. Like, you know, it, it was a shit show. Sorry for the cursing. Uh, so, you know, you're wrangling cats over here and then these people are doing it, it, lots of moving parts, very dynamic negotiation. And then one of the, 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 the back and forth discussions was, okay, we'll walk away. So the price is now zero. If you give us the names and addresses and personal information of all of those 25 people. And I'm like, I'm not going to do that. That's ridiculous because you guys are thugs and you can go yourselves. <laughs> um, the point is sometimes you're like, well, would I love to pay zero for something that I want? Yeah. Wait a minute. The terms are completely unacceptable. Can't do it. And it, honestly, like it, in that particular one, and, and, and this, is, uh, this is kind of a unique circumstance, it would have made my personal life a hell of a lot easier to say, oh yeah, sure, go for it. I don't care. But couldn't do it. That, that's, it, it to me, per my, the rules in which I engage in when I do business uh, or go into a negotiation, I set that as it was off the table. It wasn't a negotiable term, but they wanted it to be. And so that it, it ended up eventually, but many months later, like five months later, getting negotiated out. Um, and obviously that term was not in there, but sometimes, sometimes price doesn't mean anything. Sometimes it's all about the terms, right? Hunter, you are muted. How do you guys feel about um, best and final? Like the use of best and final? <laughs> it's never best and final. <laughs> best and final is like a story. It's a way to coerce people. Right? That's why, I, like when somebody comes at me with best and final, I, I kind of like get a little perturbed. Like I'm like, how dare you? You know, like, it's just like, it puts me off. Um, but I've never, I've never had the, I guess, balls for lack of a better word. I've never had the gumption to use best and final on a buy side because I'm like, well, if it's a little bit more, maybe, you know, like, it's just like, I just don't want to draw a line in the sand and past that we're fighting or parting ways. You know, it's just like, I, I guess you're creating a bit of tension if you say best and final. And mm -hmm. there are people who can do that. Um, and, you know, like there are some places where that's acceptable and that works because there are some people who like playing that game. And sometimes and you have they, to create tension. Yeah. And, and, and then the people who like playing that game, they would go, oh, they hear best and final and they go, oh, that's nice. You know, they, they, they'd feel an exhilaration for it. We're getting close. So, 
you know, uh, they get they get an emotional benefit from paying the best and final price. But you know, it, different people are different, and you know, in 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 my case, I I wouldn't be comfortable with that. It's like, wait, you're you're not allowing me to have a conversation. Um, you know, it, and it depends on what it is because if it's something irrelevant and they say best and final, it's like, hey, why not, right? But, Psychological tools are important. Yeah, yeah, they I are mean, important, and they do create tension because it creates a sense of scarcity. It's like, oh, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to get this at this price tomorrow, maybe. Yeah, um, it's done. And there's that unknown, and then, and then that's the game, and then that's the game that you're playing, you know, as a consumer as well. It's like, oh, this is really interesting. This is really exciting because it's best and final. And if you want to play the game at that time, then you'll you'll play it at that time. And if you don't want to play the game at that time, or the price isn't right anyway. Um, or you feel disrespected somehow because of you know the positioning, um, then then you know then you just won't play in that sense. Um, but it's you know it's it's like in 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 a first world country like this, um, negotiations are play. You know, it, it's, yeah. it's not it's not like a life or death situation. Sometimes it can be, um, and, and it depends on I guess how far down the rabbit hole of of you know life and death do you want to discuss but sometimes so i i like to use best and i'm very transparent with my negotiations like you and, and and it's funny brian you're like you're just boom in there it's true i am very um i i, I do the shock and awe approach doesn't matter what we're talking about it doesn't mean anything to me i can walk away from this negotiation right now and not care at all i'll keep living my life so we're starting because i want this i want this for this reason i'm willing to pay for it but there are terms that need to be set up and i you better not change those terms on me once we've signed look we're going to go back and forth and we're going to we're going to tear each other new ones. And there are going to be times where I'm going to be like, no, absolutely not. That's impossible. And then I'll say, well, it may be a little possible. <laughs> or that's the best and final. But, you know, I guess we can talk about it a little bit more. Sometimes. A little bit. But it depends on the circumstance. But, it, but there's always an understanding of, I'm not just having this negotiation. I'm doing more negotiations like this. So if I'm talking about a property, let's say I'm talking about uh, an industrial property, which is what we've been buying recently. Hashtag Vosh Capital. Hashtag we're awesome. Um, uh, so let's say I'm negotiating on, a, on, a, on an industrial property. Well, you, do you think I'm negotiating on one? No, I'm negotiating on many. And is your property going to be the next one that we buy? Maybe if we can get to the right terms and I'm not going to bullshit you. I'm a busy man. I got scotch to drink. I got money to make, you know, there's events to go to. I don't have time to negotiate for a long time. When I'm talking about something, I'm going to say, here's what it is. Here's, here's what I need. We can go back and forth and that's fine. Cause you got to play the game. The game is the game. But um, we're not going to do this for months. This is what it is. And if you want it, here it is. Come and get it. But you better hurry because it's going fast. 
well, it's good for you to qualify that um, that time frame because yes, it's not months, but it's not now. You know, there is a conversation and a back and forth that happens because you have to understand each other and what's important. And yeah. you don't want to negotiate with somebody who's desperate because um, Un unless that desperation benefits your need and purpose. It depends on the long term benefit of that, though, because mm -hmm. if if you negotiate with somebody who's desperate and, and, they're, um, and they feel coerced and you want to do more deals for them, then it creates a bad relationship. Totally. Um, so it really, really depends on, you know, like, you know, how far is their desperation? Of um, course. If it's just, oh, they want it in a faster timeline, that's not desperation. That's just their terms. But if, if, it's, if it's, you know, like, if, for example, their whole life savings is $100,000, and you want their hundred thousand dollars and you're negotiating for that it's like no. you know you don't no. do that you don't it will be much more of a headache later than it is a benefit exactly. today but if somebody so the 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 when when you say negotiating with someone who's desperate the thing that comes to my mind the first thing there are many things that can come to mind obviously if we go start thinking about it but the first thing that comes to mind is somebody makes a bad decision and buys incorrectly so let's say we're oh, yeah. talking about real estate, but you can talk about a company. You can talk about valuation. There's so many different things, but let's say you're buying a piece of real estate or let's say you're buying a, an item. Uh, someone, this cup, so my scotch cup, let's say I bought this for a hundred dollars. Dimitri, why do you do this? It's not worth a hundred dollars, but now I'm strapped for cash because I used all my rent money on the scotch cup. And, um, rent money is $20. The cup is worth around that. Um, I could sell a cup for $20, right? But if I show desperation, someone's going to say, well, I'll, I'll give you 15 for it. And you can come up with the other five some other way, right? And you're going to be like, Shit, I'm so desperate that I'm going to sell it. So sometimes from the buyer's perspective, so in that case, I'm the unfortunate schmuck that overpaid. But sometimes, look, people make stupid decisions all the time. And it, it sucks. And we try to tell people to stop making stupid decisions. But I'll tell you, every single day, I tell someone in some circumstance, do not do that. That is ridiculous. That is not a great decision. And you know what they say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, whatever. And then like a couple weeks later or a couple months later or sometimes a couple years later, they call me or we talk and they're like, well, oh, I shouldn't have done that one. Oh, well. So you can, someone's going to take advantage and it's not about taking advantage of people that are in bad circumstances. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about Someone's going to take advantage of the fact that you made a bad decision. You're going to have to live up to that bad decision and make it right. If you don't, it's going to get worse. You need to make rent at the end of the month, whatever. Mortgage payment. You got to pay that Ferrari off, whatever the hell it is, depending on where you are. So you take, you're going to take a loss. So by you taking a loss, someone takes a benefit and you're helping each other. There can still be a win-win, but that desperation when I, again, when I think of that desperation, I think, why, why I'm not going to pay you 20 for it. I'm going to pay you 15. It's going to hurt more for you, but you'll still be fine. 
and I'm going to have even more wiggle room because I don't want to be making that bad decision. What if the cup value today it's 20? What if tomorrow it's 15? Well, I just bought it for 20. Damn it. No, well, let me buy it for 15 today. And then if it stays at 20, well, then I have a net benefit already. And then I'm going to add value to the cup. I'm going to fill it with delicious scotch and sell it for 40. You know, <laughs> like, you see what I'm saying? There, there's, this is strategy, but it, 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 psychology is fundamental to negotiations. We all want something. What do you want? Tell me what you want. I want you. I tell you what I want. I want when people use best and final to mean best and final. Like I yeah, but who actually does? It's a pet peeve of mine for somebody to use it and then not mean it. It makes me just want to be like, just good. Just no, we're good. We're good. No, no, no. Like you said, and then no. Oh man, I've I've used best and final on the sell side, but it but it it really was my best and final. Like I'm yeah. I meant it. I'm not budging yeah. on it. I don't care. But then that's, that's a great opportunity to call it on that bad behavior. It's like, hey, you said this, but it isn't. You know, uh, what is it really? No, that's a good point. But in that circumstance, so shame, which is what you're talking about there, shame can be used to your benefit, but you have to be careful because if you shame someone, like if you call somebody out for doing something that, they know they shouldn't have been doing, but now you're shaming them for it too much in, in the wrong circumstance. Yeah. It could come back and bite you because they, they really could say. It on the delivery because, you know, you can be joking about it, especially on how, um, you know, how you have to gauge them first. But if, if, you, always, if you play it off with a joking tone um, most, or a nice tone, you can go, wait, 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 wait. You said it was best and final. Now we're continuing a negotiation. Let's keep on going here then. Yeah, and then maybe yeah. they'll they'll think twice before using yeah, that, that. that. That wasn't the stopping point. Let's just keep on going. But then you know, it's 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 friendly instead of shaming. Yeah, it's like, oh, I'm taking this away from your messaging. Let's keep on going and mm -hmm. keep on bringing the price down because your last best and final wasn't the best and final. But of you course, go on. Oh no, I, I was. Just, yeah, but you're right. Um, if you if you say it in such a way that actually shames the person, it'll just close them down, um, and then negotiation you know, turns emotion. Yeah. And emotion in a negotiation can be beneficial, but not, not always, not that kind of emotion, unless you're Japanese, the Japanese, they, that's like what they do. Apparently uh, it, it makes me think of, so I recently had a contractor do a bunch of work in my house, not this house, different house. Um, and I need to paint these walls. <laughs> I, mean, I just realized the walls, I don't like the walls paint color. All right, whatever. Um, that's a that's a personal problem. Yeah. We can nego we can negotiate on the the cost of paints later. <laughs> no, but I had a contractor do a bunch of work in my house, and um, you know, the one thing that pisses me off, my pet peeve, and it's not even just a pet peeve. This is like a, if you're doing business with me, it's a no go. It's a no go. This 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 will make me go from nice Dimitri into not so nice Dimitri, like fast. And it's, you tell me it's going to be this, and then it becomes this. Don't do that to me. Don't do me like that. I'm not going to do you like that. You don't do me like that. I understand that things change. But like, don't, don't try to do me like a bitch. Because 
I don't work that way. Yeah, and, and to qualify that, you mean changing things at the last moment? Changing, right changing, changing terms, changing price, trying to negotiate out a, a deal and then saying, well, I can't actually do that deal. So let's change it to something that I can do now that I've hooked you and you've yeah. already paid me something. That's bullshit. And I don't yeah. stand for that. Or, or you're already, you already have time commitments or you're already beholden to other people. Yeah, I'm like, wait, you said you're going to do something this day and for this much, but it's turning to be this other day for way more. What the hell? What's going on here? Like that's, that, that leads to, to argument. So I always put it out front. Like you're in, this is it. Are we good? Here, like, I, I always double check. I, I think it's so important. And a lot of times people don't double check because they're scared of ruining the deal that they've negotiated. You're not going to ruin the deal. Double check. Always say, this is it. We're not changing it. We're putting it in stone, contract, written up, signed, lawyers, ready to go if you screw me over on this. Like, I don't want to, I don't like lawyers any more than you do. In fact, I can't stand lawyers. I hate spending time with them. But yeah, if you double check and it ruins the deal, you didn't have the deal to begin with. Exactly. Exactly. Now, now you've avoided the fallout of thinking you had the deal and making moves based on that thought which is always a good thing. I'd rather double check and lose it than yeah. to not double check and then lose it later because again, it's more expensive later. You don't have the deal. <laughs> like if you double check and it falls apart, you didn't have the deal. Well, it falling apart later is much more expensive than it falling apart today where it's free. Way more expensive. But the point is, so I had this contractor working in my house. He's still doing it. Um, and so we, we had a bunch of work done. We had a wall removed. We had a bunch of cabinets put in, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, and, uh, you know, not a, not a big job because it wasn't like a structural wall, but then there, there needed to be one extra cabinet. Um, and I was like, okay, well, let's talk about it. And then he gives me a price and I'm like, dude, that's too much. Like, it's just, it's, it's an, that's, that's lame. Now I knew that I needed the cabinet because the space needed this period. Like it, it's just. And it wasn't, it wasn't so much that I was like, no, I can't do it. I can't afford that. Oh my goodness. But it was like, I, I don't want to pay that. And, uh, and I also knew that there was like five other jobs that my wife was telling me to do. And I'm like, I'm not going to do those jobs because I'm busy doing other stuff. Well, I was going to do those jobs. But I don't want to do those jobs, like in small things like door stoppers and like, yeah, whatever, that kind of stuff. So I was like, okay, listen, I'll pay this if you do all of those jobs. <laughs> and he's like, okay. So, you know, I negotiated out some terms. He did like five other jobs and way better than I would have done it. Because look, I, you know, I'm great. I may be a great negotiator. I may be good at structuring, but... I'm, I'm not a handyman. Yeah. Well, I, I can do it, but I'm not a professional contractor. That's his, it's literally what he does for a living and he's great at it. Right. And so he did a much better job, you know, put, put up some TVs and stuff. Like I have done these things in the past. I will do them if I need to, but he ended up doing it. And so everybody won. So there, a lot of times you can, negotiate to add something that you need done and it makes the price less bitter 
at the end of the day, I feel like we both felt like we won. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's those good additional things that you added for him, you know, wouldn't really have cost him much. No, it took like nothing. Yeah. Yeah. It's an unequal value situation. Like we were talking about earlier around the terms uh, for you to do it would take three hours maybe. And your time is, you know, super valuable. Well, his time's valuable too. Maybe not, he doesn't see his time as valuable as yours, but even if he does, he sees himself taking less time than you would because he can knock it out in an hour. Because he knows what he's doing. Because he knows exactly. what he's doing much better than I do. Exactly. So for him, he's like, okay, I'll give in this hour of my time. And for you, you're like, I'm willing to pay this much to save three hours of my time. You know? Exactly. And the quality of it is going to be better. Yep in his hour than in my three hours because he's a specialist yeah it'd be the same thing as if if he needed to you know do a structure or a negotiation for a real estate deal or for a venture capital deal i mean i'm going to do a better job because that's what i do i'm going to do a better job than him and i'll do it probably faster and better you had mentioned something a while ago about um Japanese and emotions in negotiating. Oh, so and, and so I I have we're doing a webinar on uh, my trip to Asia to the Asian continent. Very ancient culture, beautiful, messed up. <laughs> in any case, uh, no, we're we're gonna be talking about all kinds of fun stuff in Asia, but. Um, uh, some of the folks that I talked to, I did not go to Japan, but I've been learning about their cultures because uh, every Asian, uh, not to lump everybody into you know, one group, every country has a different culture. So I went to Taipei in Taiwan, Manila in the Philippines, Shanghai in mainland China, and then Hong Kong. And every single place had a completely different culture and way of doing things. People are people, but the values and way in which they interact, especially on a business level, was completely different. And so I, I mentioned Japan because several of the people that we met in Hong Kong and then people here in the United States that I know that have done a lot of business in Japan have expressed how the Japanese do their business. And first of all, the Japanese uh, economic system, or I suppose a private business system is very kind of oligarchical. Is that even a word? Oligarchical? Oli, oli, oxen free? There's like 20 families that pretty much run all of Japan, right? And they're extremely wealthy, and that's cool. I mean, for whatever it's worth. Um, but the, the culture is very shame-based, as in if you fail... If, if, if here in America, if you fail, you feel a little bit of shame. You're like, ah, oh, I should have done that better or I messed up. And then you move on and you live your life and you learn from your mistake. Hopefully you should you learn from your mistake and you, you, you go on to do other new things and you, you grow because of your mistake. In Japan, apparently it's very, if you make a mistake, you are shunned and shamed by your peers and everything is very um it has to be a certain way very japan focused very 
ultra conservative, slow moving way of doing business, which I'd actually be interested in, in hearing uh, your opinion on it, Brian, because you lived there and worked there. Is that a um, fair I assessment? I've been hearing there, but I didn't um, negotiate or do business there. Um, the only business I ever did there was with foreigners. So um, it kind of insulated me from that part of the culture. Um, I'm not very familiar with it. Um, I do notice that um, a lot of people seem to internalize their shame on a workplace. Um, and it's not that their peers are shaming them, but it's that they're causing the pain onto themselves from what I observed with my peers. Yeah, well, I... I want to I wanna take a second to comment on something because I feel like you made a delineation between wealthy business people and business negotiations and how the typical population works and lives and, and, and the culture thrives. Money doesn't change culture. You, if you're from Southern California and you are extremely wealthy, and you're from Southern California and you're extremely poor, but you're working in a general environment that is similar, your culture is going to be very similar. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Act douchier on a personal level, on a social level, but the way in which you interact on a negotiation is going to be similar, right? Yeah, yeah. Your values are similar. Exactly. So the, the shame component is very like, um, I, I, I've heard this. So, so obviously, you know, we deal with, with capital a lot, big surprise. And I've heard that when you're dealing with Japanese capital, they're very hesitant to invest with foreigners, non-Japanese, because the, the people that are managing the money. So if you think of it like a hierarchy, and I, I'm, I, I will be the first one to say that I'm not the foremost expert on this. This is something I've been learning about recently from many different sources. And it's the same story, so it seems uh, anecdotally very accurate so far. Uh, so there's the guys that actually have all the money, you know, the, the extremely wealthy families, the patriarchs of said families, et cetera. But then there's people that manage that money. They're not managing their own money. And so those people that are managing the money are, of course, Japanese. And then they have analysts and such. There's less incentive for that manager, the money manager, to invest with a non-Japanese. Because if he invests with a non-Japanese, an American or a European or whatever, and something happens, something goes wrong, regardless of whose fault it is, something goes wrong he's on the line. And so he's the one who's shamed per the culture. But if he invests with a Japanese person, even if it's a foreign Japanese person, then that's the person that will accept the shame because they're the end of the line on the Japanese side. It's weird. So, so the incentive isn't to make the best decision. The, the incentive is to cover your own ass as the manager, by investing with another Japanese person, even if it's the worst decision, you can say, well, it was his fault and he's the one who's going to be shamed and he's the one who's going to be shunned and you're going to be fine, even though you lost a lot of money, let's say. 
socially. So that's what I meant when I was referring to the dynamic of, of uh, and, and so when you're talking about a negotiation, by the way, understanding culture is important. Like if I go to Japan as a big, tall white guy and I'm like, hey, I mean, sorry to bring up race in 2019. I know it's a big deal. But if I go to Japan as a big, tall white guy, you know, they, they, may, they may be like, oh, it's really cool to see you because, you know, you're so much taller than everyone else. But when it comes to the, the buying decision, they're going to take it very slow and they're going to want, just like the Chinese, are going to want some form of control on their side of, well, we want a Japanese person because I need someone to be the fall guy, the, the, the money manager will want the fall guy. So in case Dimitri screws it up or in case the American economy takes a hit, there needs to be this Japanese person to be the the guy so that the the uppity ups aren't upset. Yeah. Which the Chinese do as well, right? That's why we hear about them being... um, uh, you know, whenever you do a JV in China, that you have to do it with a Chinese partner, right? And, this, and the incentivization of the converse is not there because it's not like if they invest with an American and it goes well, they're a hero now. You know, it, it can only be okay or bad, <laughs> you know? Yes. It can be as expected or it can go poorly. Exactly. The, the incentive isn't there to, like here in America, we're very focused on let's get the job done. Let's do a good job. But over there, it's different. They already have, a, it, their, their incentives are different, but they have incentives. Yeah. Brian, you look like you're contemplating something. No. It's funny. I've seen this, that exact thing you're talking about play out even in relationships, like just boyfriend, girlfriend relationships. It's like anytime I've dated, uh, you know, (laughs) someone of uh, a different culture, it seems that like, especially with, Japanese culture, it seems like if the relationship doesn't go well, their family is like, oh, you chose wrong. We told you. You did this risk. Shame on you. Like, why? Uh, But if they have dated, like, another Japanese person in the past and that guy screws up, the family's like, he was no good. He fooled you. He tricked you. He's bad. Like, oh, shame on him. Yeah. It's you funny. You shouldn't have trusted that foreigner. Yeah, it, it's, it's weird, though, because they're stopping the responsibility on her because I'm foreign. But if, yeah. if it's someone of their good, it, it passes right on down the line, just like you are talking about. Well, you know, and I think it also has to do with people's conduct there, because if you've been, um, if you're Japanese, then you know how people should act and how people should feel. Um, I mean, just living there for five years, 
you kind of get acclimated to um, how people see each other. Um, it's it's very subtle. Um, oh, big time. You know, th there's always a lot of like uncertainty on what's going on, what's my position um, in other people's eyes, how are they seeing me, you know, and it's, it's, not, it's not always vocalized. So especially when things are vocalized, it's so harsh, um, even if the vocalization is so, you know, simple, like, you know, don't you think you shouldn't be doing that is, is enough to, you know, cause a lot of emotional turmoil. Uh, oh, whereas over here, it's like, oh, okay, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay, sorry. Oh, oh man. I, uh, they definitely I, have conversations on an eye level as well. Like eye shape and eye movement is big to them. They're, they're having a dialogue just off of eye movement on top of the dialogue that's being spoken, which I was oblivious to uh, and an unwitting participant in because they're looking at my eyes too. They're looking at me and reading my uh, input on that level of co conversation. And I'm just, my eyes are just doing whatever they do. I'm putting zero thought into it. So I'm like a filterless conversation with my eyes. But I later found out that that's a very important aspect of the conversation and communication is eye shape. Where you're looking, where you're looking and eye shape. Yeah. Where you're looking, how you're looking. Um, and that, that's why if you notice on emojis, emojis will have a smile, but with four different eyes, <laughs> like and they'll have a frown, but with three different eye sets. It's like, huh. okay, that one's laughing. That one's laughing too. That one's also laughing. They're all laughing, but the eye shapes are different. This one's squinting. That one's open. That one's like, ha, 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 Yeah. And it's the like, other one's like oh, 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 oh. and this, these are totally different things to them you know it's like to me i'm just like yeah one of the laughing ones give me give me a laughing one exactly but that but that's why they exist because emojis were actually designed by japanese so oh, yeah they've put in all of these eye shapes that mean all these different things but i'm gonna look American, at that you know like we don't necessarily speak that language so i i think it's um I, th I think it's so fascinating. We should definitely do uh, a, a, another Scotch money on perception because negotiation and perception kind of go hand in hand, but perception is this whole, this whole. what you pay attention to, not necessarily just how you perceive things. It's like what culturally irks you and why you, yeah. you know, like look at certain things. Like yeah. for example, when speaking to a Japanese person, when they make their hand gestures, I notice that it's all around the face. So somebody goes, you know, me, you know, like they, they, they do this, it's like, oh, me? And I was like, oh, that's a very unique and cute way of doing it. As opposed to pointing to the chest. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Me? Yeah, yeah. And it's huh. like, okay, that's... Um, I think when, it, when you're talking about this kind of stuff as it's applicable to a negotiation specifically, um, being aware of your negotiation is about look even if you are friends with the other side as in let's say the three of us well three person negotiation is going to be tough let's say brian and i are in uh are in a negotiation over something we're friends there's no need for us to be arguing about anything but when it comes to business if it's serious business right like if we're talking about a serious business conversation we both understand and respect each other enough to know that, all right, we're going to take this seriously, you know, all jokes aside, ha ha ha. 
Let's take this seriously. Let's firm it up. And once it's firm, we're good. But we also understand that while we're negotiating, we're negotiating for mutual benefit, but there needs to be mutual benefit. If there isn't, we're not going to do it. But at the same time, we're the, the, the inherent default of a negotiation is an adversarial position. But that doesn't mean that we're at war. It means that like, if you're playing a game of chess or if you're playing a card game, it's an inherent adversarial position. Does that mean that I'm going to be like, you and your whole family die. I'm going to beat you in this game. No, it, it means that you accept that there's an adversarial position and you need to understand what the other side is thinking in order to be able to bridge the gap. Once the gap is bridged and things are signed, now you're friends again. It's not always adversarial in that sense, though, because the goals of each person might be different. In a a chess game, for example, your goal is always to kill the other person's king or to checkmate. But, um, you know, in a negotiation, if each person has different goals and different priorities and you understand those priorities, then it becomes a creative exercise. Um, Here's your boundaries and your values and here's my boundaries and my values. How do we play together? Um, and that's, that's bridging the gap. That's what I was talking about when I said bridge. If you understand each other, and the better you understand each other, the, the better you can bridge that gap and come to a solution that works for both sides. Negotiations yeah. should end up with friendship. Continue, please. Oh, I heard, um, I heard like a little bird somewhere from... <laughs> that sounded like Hunter. That was uh, R2 telling me that they have a text. Oh, I see. Sorry. Right. He speaks in bleeps, you know. <laughs> Mr. D2 was my father. <laughs> Mr. D2 was my father. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because uh, they have a couple of different options for ringtones with R2D2. And so I set up different ones for different things. So I have a different squeak beep babble for voicemail versus text versus you know other things so whenever i hear him it's he actually makes sense to me which is awesome because <laughs> in all the movies you know he does all this and luke's like i know i'm getting to it would you just chill out and it's like i'm having the same conversation <laughs> hey yeah thanks for the text buddy i just got, got the text oh okay so, uh, yeah, it's like I understand him. Do you guys have any final thoughts on negotiations that you want to share? No, let's just go for closing thoughts. Let's go for closing thoughts. Uh, Hunter, you start with your closing thoughts. Start us off with closing thoughts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, closing thoughts on negotiations. Bottom line is... At the end of a negotiation, if you're happy with what is proposed to you, make the deal. If you're not happy with it, do not be afraid to walk away. That is the best advice I can give. Go for what you want, know what you want going into it, go for what you want, and if you don't get it, walk away. Yeah, 
I agree. And um, from that side, it, it's incredibly important um, to drill down on knowing what it is that you want. Because um, even though it seems simple talking about it in a negotiation, it's so easy to forget what it is that you're actually negotiating for. You know, have an end goal, not go, oh, I want the cheapest price possible. You know, actually have an idea of in your mind on what that price is. So yeah. do your analysis going forward, be prepared. Don't go in trying to um, prepare while you're negotiating or using the negotiation as a, you know, a brainstorming session to understand what you want, know what you want beforehand. And then everything else um, in the negotiation um, will be, um, you know, a creative um, exercise on figuring out, okay, what are the things we can actually trade? You know, mm -hmm. here's, here's where I'm from, here's where you're from. Are there other things outside of this um, that we can trade similar to Dimitri's, you know, like, oh, here's the honey-do list. I want you to do my honey-do list um, and I'm willing to pay your price um, for the cabinets, right? It's, it's, it, it wasn't in the realm. It wasn't in the playing field, but it's, it, it can in. be placed in the playing field. Anything can be negotiated. All right. My final thought is, and, and I, I feel like we've covered so many important things that... Um, that are just so crucial when you're thinking of a negotiation. My final thought is this, don't look at what someone else is making. So, yeah. you know, as, as, a, as a kid, hopefully your parents told you, don't look at your, don't look at what other people are eating, focus on your own plate. Uh, good strategy, all of these things that we just mentioned, that's extremely important and Focus on you. Focus on your side of the negotiation. If you're thinking to yourself, well, I'm going to make a lot of money, but that guy's going to make even more money. Who cares? Good. Everyone should make money. If he's losing and you're winning, then you're an asshole. Now, sometimes you got to be an asshole and life is that way. But, but if there's an opportunity for a win-win and it works for you, and you've committed to it working for you. Maybe you squeeze a little bit more out because business is business, but don't look at their plate. Don't focus on how much money they're making. Focus on the money you're making because you don't, it doesn't matter what they're doing. That's, you, focus on the core strategy that you set out. Yeah, does the deal work for you? It's on them to determine if the deal works for them. Exactly. All that matters is, does the deal work for you? Does the deal work for you? And on that note, I'm going to say smash. Smash that like button. Subscribe it in. Punch that, punch that retweet button in the kidneys. Smash it. Smash it up. We've been crying out for much too long. And now we're going to dance to a different song. Smash it up. Like button, subscribe it. Scotch Money, Bosch Capital, Hunter Slay, Brian Arandez, Dimitri Chabotarov in the house. What, 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 what? Okay. <laughs> Gentlemen, thank you for coming, joining us all, everybody on the Scotch Money Show, where we talk about scotch and money and scotch and money and so much scotch and so much money. Fun as usual. Cheers. Cheers. Mm, got that last drop.